and welcome to our Rising Youth podcast, produced in partnership with CYC Podcasts and Taking It Global. The intention behind this series is to give a platform to young changemakers from communities across Canada. Hashtag Rising Youth is a national community service grant program led by Taking It Global and offered to youth ages 15 to 30 wanting to get involved in their communities. My name is Jade Roberts, and I will be hosting this episode of the Rising Youth Podcast. I'm from Treaty 6 Territory, and I live in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I'm a Woodland Cree woman and an educator. I currently host and produce my own podcast called Still Here, Still Healing. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. Our guest on this episode of the Rising Youth Podcast is Juliana McGraw. So welcome to our podcast, Juliana. Um, Can you start out just by introducing yourself, maybe telling us a little bit about who you are and some of your background? Uh, Thank you. I'm Juliana McGraw um, from La Ronge and the Lake La Ronge Indian Band. Um, I don't really know what to go, go with background by myself. Uh, <laughs> I've always been interested in like the arts and probably in the last few years, maybe like last five years or so, I became more and more interested in mental health and kind of trying to reduce that stigma. Awesome. Um, yeah, just a little bit of background information for anybody listening. Juliana and I are from the same community. However, uh, we've like didn't really grow up knowing each other. So this is kind of our first time like having a conversation with each other, which is kind of cool that our paths crossed this way with through rising youth. So. Um, so the project you worked on was titled Fighting the Mental Health Stigma. Do you want to introduce a little bit about the project you worked on, um, what it was and kind of how you decided to choose this project? Um. Yeah, um, it was actually a short documentary called Broken. Um, I think when applying for the grant, I was going to call it something else. Um, And it took place probably from April to maybe the end of June, like the actual filming. And then editing was in July. So it was... Me and my cousin, and initially we were going to get interviews from other people who suffer from, like, their depression, anxiety, and um, any other kind of mental health problems, maybe like a stress-related disorder. But we found out that it's actually pretty difficult to get people to, like, open up on camera. So we kind of just decided to film just me talking about my past mental health struggles as well as my physical health and like a little bit about how I cope with both of those. Um, And the Rising Youth Grant helped me to like buy most of the equipment that I needed, like a camera and a microphone, um, some lenses I think I got to get like good shots. So without that, I probably would have had some, like, not great footage just from my phone. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely understand what you're saying about like getting people to open up on camera. It can be really, really tough, even with like, so I'm a podcaster and it can be tough to like get people to share their stories when they have to be vulnerable when a microphone is right in front of their face. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's definitely tough. Um, I did watch your um, short documentary over the weekend and um, you did a really great job, like. It was awesome. Um, And like, it's so nice to see that, um, you know, when people do take that uh, like step of courage um, to get in front of the camera and share such a vulnerable story. um, Yeah, it's just it's really great. And and I'm glad that you did that. I'm I'm glad I did, too. It It was really hard. I was I was so nervous to put it out, like to publish it. Mm hmm. What do you uh, think that the response was like from people who viewed it? Um, it was all very positive. Um, I, w- I was really surprised by the response, actually. Um, people said that it was like raw and emotional. Um, so many people called me brave. And a few people said that it would save lives, which I you know, never would have expected. Uh, I expected people to have like, you know, some negative response because there's a big stigma about mental health, which I do mention in the documentary and how that can like make things worse. But it was all so positive and it just it made me feel good. It made me want to do more. And I think we're actually at like kind of the perfect time to talk about mental health where people are becoming much more receptive in like learning about it. Mm-hmm. And like, even though it is stigmatized, it's just like when one person shares their story, it just like it can help so many other people and you don't even realize. Um, yeah, especially when you see that sharing gets a positive response instead of people mm-hmm. saying like negative things. It just it makes you um, feel like you can do it, too. For sure. Yes. Yeah. When you notice like somebody else doing it, then it gives you that like courage, that push to maybe share your own story. So who knows, maybe like someone who views your documentary, like it'll help them open up about their own mental health. Yeah. And I talk about therapy uh, a lot in that too. So, I mean, if like one person sees it and decides to like take the step to finally get some help, then like that's, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So if people are interested in viewing the short film, where can they find it? Uh, it's on YouTube uh, under the name Siniska Media and Siniska is S-A-N-I-S-K-A. Awesome. Um, Yeah, so I wanted to have, I guess, a little bit of a discussion more about mental health, but also um, fibromyalgia. So I didn't know that's something that you uh, suffer from. And I'm actually not like aware of what really that is. And maybe some of our listeners aren't aware of what fibromyalgia is as well. So if you could share a little bit about that. Yeah, like, Fibromyalgia is, I feel like people have heard about it, um, especially in the past maybe like few years, and might know that it can cause widespread pain. Um, But the thing about it is like, nobody knows what causes it. It's one of those conditions that would be um, diagnosed if they kind of rule out everything else, because there's still a lot about the body that... um, you know, doctors and scientists just don't know. 
But with fibromyalgia and a lot of like um, other physical illnesses, it's not going to affect everyone the same way. Um, my mom also has it, and she has a lot of like nerve pain with some fatigue. Mm-hmm. And uh, it also causes some issues with mental health. Like it can cause depression. Um, there are like uh, so many things that it can affect, but I think the main ones are like pain, fatigue, and mental health. Um, and fatigue affects me more than anything with like some nerve pain. And I don't know if it's the fibromyalgia that causes depression or the fact that I have like uh, some genetic, uh, I have some genes that cause depression on both sides of my family. So, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I think that's one thing I wanted to say is that fibromyalgia isn't going to affect people the same way. You know, some people will like meet someone who has a condition and think that everyone will be just like that. But it can it can be different from person to person. Mm. Um, So how do you like how do you cope with that? How do you like go about your day to day with like fibromyalgia? Is there like do you take medication or like how I like this would really be something to like a a challenge to have to live with something like this? How do you how do you cope um, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of medication for fatigue because nobody really knows what causes it yet. I'm, I'm hoping there's more research into that. Um, for people who experience pain, you know, there's like tons of pain meds. But I found that what works best for me is going on almost a paleo-like diet. So I don't eat like any grains. Um, I have a really high intolerance to dairy, so I just completely cut that out. Um, I try to like watch my sugar intake, you know, I'm just, I try to be really mindful about what I eat. And I also take lots of probiotics. I take like high dose probiotics because, um, it's been found that there's quite a big correlation between gut health and overall health. Mm-hmm. Like it affects your immune system. That's basically where your immune system lives. So if I can like stick to a pretty good diet, it helps with the fatigue. And then I'll take supplements like, um, active B vitamin, maybe some ginseng if I'm like really tired, but I, um, like I can't exercise anymore and I used to be super fit. So I kind of had to grieve and like mourn the person that I could have been had I not been sick. And I guess that's something that a lot of people with, um, chronic illness have to do because you do have limitations and, really the best you can do is like accept it and then just try and work around it and not push yourself, which is probably my biggest um, obstacle with not pushing myself because with a background in sports, I'm so used to like just pushing past the pain, but now that just makes things worse. So just really trying to be mindful and like listening to my body. If I'm tired, I'll try to rest, which can be hard for me because I get bored very easily, but and not trying to like, dream too much about a day when I'm not going to be sick because it's a chronic illness and I just have to accept that and try and um, work with it instead of against it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in the film as well, you talked about um, being in isolation for five years. Um, is that like because of the fibromyalgia or like, could you just uh, explain a little bit about that? 
Yeah, so back in like 2011, um, I it was a really hot day and I was walking to and from the gym. Like it was probably 35 degrees, maybe more with humidity. And I suffered from heat exhaustion. And then I slowly started becoming like very intolerant to heat. And it got to a place where I could like barely tolerate room temperature. And I was also having, um, I was getting these like tremors in my hands and it felt like I was always uh, going through this episode of like adrenaline. And then some doctors found out that my adrenaline was high. And I don't know if that's something that was caused by fibromyalgia or not. Like you still don't know what was causing the high adrenaline. So it was like that for about five years. And because I couldn't, tolerate even room temperature i stayed in my room where i could like keep it cool i had this little air conditioner for the warm months and i could like open my window when it was winter and like it was pretty cold probably about 17 16 17 degrees celsius where i felt like uh comfortable and it was very very lonely and kind of scary because I was going through like so many tests and seeing so many doctors and all these scans to try and find out what was causing it. And we like found little bits here and there, but couldn't find the cause. But then I found a, a medication that just helped with the heat intolerance in 2016. And I um, immediately applied to school. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, having to, um, I guess, be isolated like that for such a long time would definitely take a toll on your mental health. Um, I guess, would this be kind of the time where you um, started to become more of like an advocate for mental health because it was affecting you so, so much? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I would tell people that I spent like all my time alone and some people would be like, oh, that sucks. Um, so I felt like a lot of people didn't really realize just how much being isolated can affect a person. And I would like look into it and it can like, um, I think I read that it can have actual physical effects on your brain. And then, um, or else I found out that humans, uh, because we're like social animals, we've depended on other people for you know thousands of years like we need to be around people we need to like be touched so often and you can actually become touch starved where you just crave someone being near you and I was like I didn't know that it was called that but you know I would just have this feeling where I would like just crave the presence of another person so like and that made me feel very lonely which led to like depression and my adrenaline was still up, so I had lots of anxiety. And then I got social anxiety because I rarely saw people. And um, I just felt really misunderstood. And I wanted to talk about it, but this was before going to therapy. So I wasn't comfortable talking about mental health yet. And um, even after getting out of isolation, I still dealt with like anxiety, um, especially socially, I still would have episodes of depression and I just hated the fact that 
I couldn't just be like, oh, I'm sad today. And without people be like, oh, no, what's wrong? Oh, maybe we should just go outside. Like just giving really bad mm-hmm. <laughs> advice that, that shows this, uh, that they may have never felt that. So it made me just want to like help society get to a place where people can just casually talk about their mental health. Mm-hmm. And like, definitely the support is like, that's what you need, right? And I feel like a lot of people mm-hmm. don't know how to like, give the best support for people that are struggling with their mental health. And like, things like, yeah, mental health uh, illnesses or mental illnesses, and things like fibromyalgia, those are, I guess, like invisible illnesses, right? Like, mm-hmm. people can't necessarily see what's wrong. So it's very hard to understand what's going on with somebody. Um, yeah. And I think like that maybe plays a role into like the stigma stigmatization um, and like not being able to talk about it because people don't yeah. get it. Um, so, yeah, I just, sorry, I wanted to, <laughs> went on a little tangent, but <laughs> I just wanted to say, yeah, it's, it's a, it's an invisible thing that people can't see. So it's hard to support others. Yeah. And like, I don't think it really helped that I looked healthy on the outside mm-hmm. and then I would tell people that I feel terrible. So it was like this kind of juxtaposition for others, I think, like this person who looks fine and who apparently is very sick. So I guess I can see why some people might think that um, maybe I wasn't as sick as I claimed to be, but it's still like very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Well, throughout your uh, documentary, you also talk, well, you already said this, you talk quite a bit about diet um, in relation to like your physical and mental health and how changing up your diet helps. But you also incorporate um, some indigenous teachings and like spirituality into the film. Um, So maybe we could just have a bit of a discussion about uh, the importance of holistic health from your perspective and how that uh, how that helps you. Yeah, well, um. I became more interested in, you know, my culture. I think when I was in my late teen years after taking Native studies. Um, and the more I realized that the more I learned um, about like my culture and the more that I got onto the land, uh, the better I felt mentally. So I think that it, uh, like spirituality and things like culture and just like getting to the land could be very important for your mind and which can also help your physical health because <laughs> mental illnesses can sometimes show themselves in physical ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're all kind of like related to one another, right? Like if one one aspect of your health is not feeling great, then you're going to feel it in like the rest of your body. Yeah. Um, so moving forward, are you working on any uh, projects in relation to mental health or working more on filmmaking or anything in the community that you want to share? Um, I was supposed to be starting a podcast this month, but COVID kind of delayed that. But it was going to be about um, myself and my co-host who is works in suicide prevention in LaRange. Um, we want to interview people who have taken um, natural ways to overcome their mental health, uh, whether it's like cultural or like spiritual or maybe just um, meditation. And then I also wanted to start a documentary about um, why there's like such a 
problem with suicide in the north mm-hmm. because I lived in the Ronge. I moved back to the Ronge from my job as a Northern Affairs journalist. And within a month, I was just like depressed. And I just, it just kind of hit me like, oh, I think I see why, you know, people here are suffering from mental health issues and like the why the youth are turning to suicide. Like it's just, um, there's so much work that needs to be there. Mm-hmm. And then I also thought about maybe starting some kind of like mental health support group um, for like maybe 14 years and up and like any gender, male, female, non-binary, whatever, whoever needs help, I want to like create uh, a space for them because the North especially has seems to have more of a stigma on mental health. And there are so many people who need help, but if you suggest help, they become stubborn and insist that they don't need it. And I just want to make it, um, make others know that it's, it's okay to, to feel basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely can understand uh, what you're talking about because I'm we're obviously from the same community. Um, and I think like what you're working on or what you want to work towards um, would definitely be helpful in our community, um, even with the podcast, like just to get people out from our community that uh, just to speak about things um, in relation to their mental health. Like I, like when I started my podcast and I started interviewing residential school survivors, part of the, um, I guess the like mantra that I follow is that uh, speaking is a form of healing. Um, so like a podcast, obviously you're just talking about things, you're sharing your story and the same thing with filmmaking, you're sharing a story, right? So Mm -hmm. that's healing in itself just to be able to talk. Yeah. And I think it could be healing for someone just to like, uh, see something like that documentary or, you know, anything else about, um, opening up about mental health. Mm -hmm, For sure. So I want to switch gears a little bit um, and talk about the Rising Youth Grant a little bit more. Um, so if you could share uh, what the process was like for applying, maybe how you heard about Rising Youth Grants. Um, I have a friend, actually, who had received a grant, um, I think it was in 2018. And I saw them uh, make posts with like the hashtag taking it global and I think rising youth and I asked him um where he got that grant and he just sent me a link and the process was like really easy I think I just filled out a form and then I heard back from it like a few days later which was uh, a lot quicker than you know some grants that could say you could take up to six months to hear back mm-hmm. and a lot of grants you need to have like some kind of um, media already published and I, I had none. So it's really good to see that there's a grant for someone who's just like starting out. Mm-hmm. I think that's like such the such a great thing about the Rising Youth Grants is they're so accessible for people. Like, yeah. like you said, it's like, it's quick. It's a very quick process, but also, yeah, some grants like that I've even applied for is like filling out the forms are insane. And then also, yeah, you need that experience or uh, like a portfolio to send. And it's like, if you're starting out, you don't have those things. 
yeah, that's it's kind of like when you look for a job straight at school, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> We're looking for an entry-level person, but you need three years of experience. Well, yes. You get their experience if it's entry-level, what? Yeah, it's like there's it's just like, so many barriers, yeah. whereas, yeah, with the Rising Youth Grant, it's just, it's very accessible. Yeah, I was really surprised at just, like, how easy it was and so much better than having to write, like, an essay of why I want to do what I do and then, like, yeah. 10 pages of forms. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you have any advice or like recommendations that you would give to others about applying for grants? Um, I can really like talk about, I think, is a rising youth grant. And for that, I'd say just go for it. Apply for the grant that you want because um, it's super easy and you don't necessarily need experience. It's not about experience. It's just about um, the project that you want to work for or work on. Yeah, well, I really hope that if you do get like a mental health support group going in LaRange with some youth, that you're able to kind of promote this grant and maybe get something going with the youth in our community. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, so to end our conversation today, um, I just wanted to see if you had any final comments uh, that you wanted to end off with. Um, I think just if there's anyone who's suffering from some kind of uh, struggles with mental health, um, just reach out. You know, that's that's probably the hardest part is reaching out for the first time and then it gets easier from there. Mm-hmm. Um, can you also share like where we can find you? What is your website called? Uh, it's siniskamedia.com. Uh, S-A-N-I-S-K-A-M-E-D-I-A.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today and sharing your story. Um, I really hope that everybody goes out there and watches the short film. It's really good. Uh, But thank you so much, Juliana, for for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you for having me. To learn more about Rising Youth and how to apply for grants, please visit risingyouth.ca.